This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Payer Issues Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Robert Grove, Chief Medical Officer and Executive Vice President at Banner Aetna in Phoenix. Dr. Grove, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Laura, thank you so much for, uh, for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Before we dive into the questions, could you please tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. Uh, yes, I'm a, a, a pulmonary critical care trained physician and was in private practice for many years and then did a combined uh, practice and administrative duties, uh, sort of rose up through the hospital administrative leadership roles, uh, chief of uh, staff, etc. And then back in 2005, I joined Banner Health, uh, the delivery side of this uh, joint venture partnership and was with Banner Health for about 12 years, uh, did a lot of innovative strategies with Banner Health and wound up in a position as the uh, vice president of essentially population health for that organization. And then in 2017, when the idea for the joint venture was presented to me, I, I jumped at the opportunity and, and since then I have been the, uh, in my current role. Well, that's a fantastic journey, and it sounds like you have a lot of great experience with several different aspects of healthcare. So I'm excited for our conversation today. My first question is, when you think about your priorities today, how have they changed and in your focus really changed in the past year since the pandemic began? Yeah, you know, the, the, the pandemic has, I guess the best way to describe it is it served as an accelerant for a lot of uh, trends and transitions that were already happening in healthcare, and in that way, I think uh, we can find a little bit of a silver lining in what has been a very black cloud. Uh, and and the, the kinds of things I'm talking about is is the move to digital medicine. Uh, a lot of docs uh, basically embraced telemedicine that had never actually tried it before. They were convinced it wouldn't work for them. Uh, and the same thing is true with patients. And so uh, because that makes care so much more accessible, especially for rural communities, I think that's a huge trend. And so our priority now is, is to make sure that we hold those gains and continue to innovate and, and deliver strategies that will bring to our patients the opportunity to, to get access to care that they didn't have before from the convenience of their home uh, and, and do all of the things that are necessary to make sure that, that care is high quality and that we deliver it uh, at a time when it's convenient for our members. That's a great point and so interesting to think about telehealth and like you said exactly it, you know, the digital care being something that when you're forced to do it, it actually becomes pretty easy and preferable after that. So it's great to hear that it's been a focus area of yours. Absolutely. You know, and, and uh, the other focus areas really are, are uh, behavioral health, uh, you know, a major focus area for us. We, we know that behavioral health was a challenge before the pandemic, and uh, certainly that's not going to get uh, any easier as time goes on. There are a lot of folks that have been traumatized by this event. Uh, the level of fear and anxiety in the population was very high at one point. Uh, there are folks who are going to have to deal with the uh, the fallout of, of long COVID, as it's uh, being called now. 
So we really have an emphasis on behavioral health and getting our strategies in line. You know, we had started that process actually before the pandemic. We've got two areas where we collaborate tightly between uh, the providers at Banner Health and the insurance side. We actually meet on a regular basis in two areas that we really focus on heavily, starting about a year and a half ago, behavioral health and uh, diabetes, interestingly enough. That is a, an interesting kind of combination of behavioral health and diabetes and, you know, obviously two very, very important issues for a lot of Americans today. Now, when you think about your conversations with members as well as providers, what do they look like today versus a year ago? You know, I, I, I don't think that the nature of the conversations have changed. Uh, what's really changed is the urgency of the conversations. And, uh, you know, I mentioned diabetes earlier. One of the reasons I think that is a, a, a real key to, to helping members down the road, most people don't realize that uh, that's a hidden epidemic. In fact, uh, diabetes has killed four times uh, as many uh, individuals in the last year internationally as has COVID-19. And we don't think about it, but today it's estimated that one in three uh, uh, individuals, one in three uh, people in the country are pre-diabetic. And a lot of, uh, let me explain what that means. So a, a pre-diabetic means that your insulin levels are already high. Now we don't routinely measure that, but high insulin levels do damage over time. Insulin is a highly active hormone, if you will, and it drives a lot of the chronic diseases in this country that we deal with every day, whether it's heart disease, kidney disease, problems with vision, you know, amputations in diabetics. All of these things are driven by that one single problem, obesity and metabolic syndrome. So getting our arms around that and trying to reverse that epidemic is a priority for us. But that and behavioral health play into each other. I mean, you think about it, if you're pre-diabetic and one in three of us is and stress levels go up, well, stress hormones are, are they drive higher blood sugar. They drive higher insulin levels because you're in a fright or flight mode. And when that happens, the body releases blood sugar into the bloodstream so that you can react to whatever it is that you're facing. And so while on the surface, you may not see the connection between those two, they are actually pretty tightly integrated. And so uh, it, it's something that we need to address both sides of that equation. That's really interesting to think about, and you know that connection in particular. I appreciate you explaining to us is something that, you know, I hadn't really thought about before, but makes a lot of sense. And I'm wondering, you know, from your side of things, is there anything that you're planning on doing, or have already started implementing, to really kind of target these two areas in diabetes and in behavioral health that you're hoping to do differently to make an impact in the future? Yeah, well, you know, one of the unique positions that we find ourselves in, in in the joint venture is we have the resources of Banner Health, which is now, I just read their uh, numbers yesterday, a $10 billion integrated delivery system based in Phoenix, Arizona, but active in, in five other states. And then we have the resources of Aetna, which is obviously a well-recognized national insurance company. And then you add to that the resources of CDS, and we've got a whole lot of stuff that we can bring to the table to actually meet members where they are. And the first job that I started about a year and a half ago or asked our teams to start working on a year and a half ago was let's just get an inventory 
of all of the services that we provide for diabetes at Banner Health and all the services we provide for diabetes at Aetna and, uh, you know, uh, all of the services now that might be available through many clinics or health hubs. Let's organize those and let's try to put that in one place so that a member or a physician can go to a single location and identify what services are available to that patient, which ones are appropriate, and how to access them in real time. Now, that may sound like something very simple to do, but it is incredibly complicated. That's why so many people have trouble getting health care is because they, they really don't understand what's covered. They don't understand how to get access to some of the services that are available to them. So we have groups working on that actively uh, with team members. They're actually co-leads, a leader from Banner and a leader from Banner Aetna that meet on a regular basis every month and talk about how we're going to organize this into a coherent narrative, if you will, that provides real disease management uh, wherever that patient happens to be, whether it's walking into a minute clinic or it's, you know, via telemedicine or via a, a, a strategy that we introduced here. To, we were the first uh, health plan to actually introduce a text-based telemedicine system with a company called 98.6. And now we're venturing out further, and we're including a company that offers to reverse diabetes. Uh, that company uh, uh, actually has a, a, a new model of providing care that they call continuous remote monitoring. And the way it works is they engage members who are interested in reversing their diabetes, and they meet with them sometimes three, four times a day. This is physician-led, and they do this for weeks. And what happens is they are able to adjust and customize the diet to that particular patient. And this company has found that they can actually reverse diabetes. They're taking long-term diabetics and getting them off all of their medications down to metformin alone in a matter of 90 days. We did a pilot here at Banner that demonstrated their ability to reduce A1C, uh, by a full 1.3. By the way, that's a marker for your average blood glucose. And when you reduce that by one point, that's a 50% reduction in cardiac risk. So that's not trivial. Weight goes down by 5%. And then they also guarantee a 50% reduction in diabetic medications. And, you know, what I'm most proud of, of the, at the joint venture is our ability to look out, uh, you know, look at the horizon, see what's coming, identify those strategies that truly are novel, that can truly bring real value to our members and be first to bring those to market. That's fantastic, and it's great to hear all of the different things that you're able to do, and especially with both of Banner Health and Aetna together, those resources just sound like, you know, fantastic. I'm wondering now, when you think about your overall strategy, what does that look like for the next 12 months? Yeah, what you, the, the big job really is organizing those two programs. But when I think about longer term, I mean, you look out on the landscape and you see companies like Walmart and, you know, people used to kind of shrug when I said that in the past, but companies like Walmart are really innovating. And I heard uh, 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 an interview uh, with their leader in healthcare, and and what he said was, look, we welcome competition, and we welcome competition as well. The faster that we can get 
everyone on the same page, the faster we can deliver uh, something that's really valuable to customers. You know, it's interesting because we've been at this for a long time. And I was uh, speaking with uh, Brent James uh, several weeks ago, and, and we were talking about why haven't things happened faster? Why do we see healthcare costs going up every single year? And, and he said there's two things. One is it's inertia. You know, there's this this uh, momentum towards how we've always done things. And the second is incentives. And, and I, you know, I have a saying now that I share with everybody, and that is I used to think I knew how to fix healthcare. Well, I no longer believe that anymore. But what I do know is if we get the incentives right, we ask the right questions and get the incentives aligned, then there are a whole bunch of smart people out there who will fix healthcare. It's too complicated for any one individual to get their arms around the complete beast. But let me say one more thing. I think it's critically important that we start having conversations at the level of government. You know, one of the reasons that we haven't seen major gains in cost savings, and I'll liken it to a canoe in a river, and that stream is headed downstream very rapidly. That's the healthcare environment. Costs have been escalating and there's been no limit, no cap on what those costs are. So if I'm in that canoe and I'm trying to paddle upstream against the current, it's really, really tough. And I keep drifting further and further downstream. And so what we really need to do is start to have some policy decisions that limit the escalation of prices, because try as we might, as long as there is no cap on spending, that stream is still rushing forward, and we're trying to paddle backwards in a canoe, and it's just overwhelming. And so it's time for us to start to have those hard policy decisions. What really is the biggest concern right now is the political divisiveness, the the, the distance we are apart in terms of having reasonable conversations about the middle ground. You know, that the answers are rarely at the extremes on the left or the right. They're found in the middle, and we've got to be able to have those conversations. So that was that, that is the one thing that I would encourage, whether you're a leader in healthcare or a citizen, is start having those conversations with your legislators and let them know that we need policy uh, that, that will help us correct this constant escalation of prices. The government pays for more than half of health care now, and without those kinds of policies, we're constantly going to be struggling to control the escalation. That's a great point, Dr. Grove. Thank you so much. And I, I wanted to leave the conversation today by asking, is there anything else that you're excited about or you're nervous about today when you think about health care? Well, it, there's a lot to be excited about. Advances in uh, genetic medicine, advances in digital medicine, artificial intelligence. We have the tools and resources to completely remake the system, to make it affordable, uh, to make it effective, uh, to give uh, caregivers back that joy of medicine so they don't feel like they're running on a treadmill, chasing after incentives that don't serve us anymore. There is just so much potential, and it's time for us to realize that potential, and I know we can. It's just going to take the political will to do that work of transformation. And what keeps me up at night, frankly, is the political climate in this country has us sort of frozen in time. And uh, we don't have a lot of time to wait on this. 
We've got to start having civil conversations. And until we do, we're going to get more of the same every year. That's a great point. Dr. Grove, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really great discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again in the future. Laura, it's my pleasure, and I'll look forward to that as well. If you enjoyed this interview, check out more Just Like It by subscribing to our Becker's Payer Issues podcast. Available for download wherever you get your podcasts.